kick us off today, I, I want you to cast your minds back to Friday the 28th of November 2014. Very specific date. Can anyone remember what happened on that date? I'll be impressed if anyone does. Well, it was, um, it was arguably the first time that Black Friday, a day full of shopping de deals and things like that, properly made its way over from America to the UK. And I don't know if you can remember it, but if you, it, was, it was quite a bizarre day, wasn't it, if you can? If you Google it, uh, quite quickly you find stories of police being called to the supermarkets, um, fights breaking out over cheap TVs, staff in shops getting verbally and physically assaulted just for trying to keep people calm, and some quite disturbing videos of just how people reacted in that situation. And now I doubt that many of us were necessarily at the front of those queues, like elbowing a granny out of the way um, just to get ourselves a new toaster or something like that. I'm assuming that's not the case. But, and if we were, we probably wouldn't admit it today. <laughs> but I think if we're honest, probably in far more subtle ways, we're all affected by this kind of thing. The word uh, usually used to describe this kind of thing is consumerism. And it's like the desire to buy probably more than we need, or the, the need to look out for all the latest trends, to not feel like we get left behind. If we're feeling a bit low, to, to buy something. We all probably feel different things like that sometimes. And I know for me, nothing quite brings this into focus, like walking down the middle of little. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I feel just this urge to get like a tool, or like a foot massager, or like something that five minutes ago, I had no need for that. But all of a sudden, that is the thing that's going to provide me some happiness in that moment. Does anyone else find that in Little? Yeah. There's something for everyone. But well, today, I'm going to be using a bit of the language of what we consume and our consumption. And all I mean by that is the, the things that we buy, the services that we use, things like the food that we eat, uh, the clothes that we wear, the things that we pay for, um, our social media, Netflix, all of those things and more. That's what I'm talking about. And this can be quite a hard topic to get into because these kind of things will look different for every single person in this room. And we all have different lives, different levels of income, uh, different responsibilities, uh, different amounts of free time. And so it's not actually going to look the same for any of us. And also the reality is, probably more than ever in world history, we have countless choices, don't we? Like where do we buy our food from? Where do we buy our clothes from? Uh, where do we do our like Christmas shopping, or for me, the decision that takes quite a amount of time sometimes is what film are we going to watch tonight? I don't know if, if you guys find the same. But today, like John said, we're, we're beginning a bit of a new series where over the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking about some of these things and how we navigate this, how we use our money, uh, what we consume, and how does following Jesus affect all of those things. And we've called this, uh, this series Faithful Stewards which in some ways is a bit of a strange phrase, um, but it's taken from a letter in the Bible called 1 Peter. And in chapter 4, towards the end of it, the, the author, Peter, he is, he's trying to get really practical about what does this actually look like to follow Jesus. And, and he says this in chapter 4. He says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the word steward, it sounds like quite like a bible -y word, doesn't it? You might not hear it loads of other places, but it could also be translated as like manager or overseer. And in the Greek culture, when Peter was writing, the job of a steward 
basically was to, to manage the land or the property or maybe even oversee the whole of someone else's business. That was what a steward would do. So although stewards didn't actually own lots of these things themselves, sometimes they were actually given a lot of responsibility to manage what had been entrusted to them. So imagine more of like the manager of a football team rather than the owner of a football team. So the owner, they, the club actually belongs to them, but it's actually the manager who gets employed to use all of their skills and experience and all that kind of thing to try and get their team to the top, sometimes more successfully than others. Um, I won't name any teams. But what Peter is getting at is that actually we're not owners. The gifts and the resources that we have actually aren't our own, but are gifts from God. And so we now have the privilege, but then also the responsibility of trying to learn to faithfully steward those things. And we find this kind of thing elsewhere in the Bible, like in Psalm 24, um, King David, who as a king would have been able to say he probably did own quite a lot. But he described it in this way at the beginning of Psalm 24. He said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So for David, for his uh, role as a king or to the wealth that he had or to the land in his kingdom, he recognized that actually none of those things were ultimately his. And his role, rather than just trying to do what he saw fit with it, was to be a faithful steward of all of those things on behalf of their true owner, which was God. And so that's why this language of being a faithful steward is really helpful because it means that whether you are a teacher or a builder or a healthcare professional or a cleaner or a stay-at-home parent or an IT technician or an accountant or any of those things, all of us have different roles and responsibilities and resources that we can all try and learn to faithfully steward. But there is also a level of challenge with that, isn't there? That actually in biblical terms, we're, we're seen as stewards. We're not seen as owners. And so actually, it means that what we, have been, what we have has been entrusted to us rather than something that we are entitled to. And that's challenging. And so the question that I want to look at a little bit today is, what does it actually look like for me and you to faithfully steward all that we have and like I said, today I'm going to try and dig in a little bit to the context that we live in of consumerism. I'm going to look at that today. And then next week, John Wright is going to focus on how we faithfully steward our money. And then after that, John Bodley is going to look at how we faithfully steward the environment. And so today we're looking at consumerism, which um, is a fun, fun topic uh, for a Sunday morning. But the reality is that word is often used in a negative sense, right? That's often how you hear it. But the reality is, consuming in of itself, it's not a bad thing. We all need to consume. We all need to consume some food and some drink, and we all probably need some clothes. But those, they're all good things, right? So today is less of us thinking, well, how do I stop being a consumer? And it's more about thinking, well, how do I consume well? How do I do that? How do we align the things that we buy and the way that we buy them? How do we align that with the values of Jesus? And the first thing to say from the outset is that this is really hard. Um, honestly, I have found preparing this talk incredibly challenging. Because the more that I've begun to dig into some of these questions of what I buy and how often I buy it and how it makes me feel, the more that I've realized it actually taps into far deeper issues inside of me. So things like my constant pull towards whatever is the most comfortable or convenient for me. 
or what I feel like I'm entitled to or what I deserve or maybe what other people think of me or what I'm wearing. Or ultimately, probably the hardest one is where do I look for my satisfaction? And so I found this really hard to wrestle with, so I'm just going to kind of like dump that on all of you today. But when I began to think about these things, I realized actually this really matters. Like this isn't just what I do with my spare time or my money. This goes far deeper than that. And so today I want to spell out two reasons why I think that all of our choices on these different things, why it really matters. And the first one is this. Our consumption is a discipleship issue. So if we jump back into the Bible, in the Gospels, there's loads of different stories of people interacting with Jesus. But in Luke chapter 12, there is one particular one where Jesus really speaks into the heart of this issue. If I can just find my page. So it says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What a profound phrase that is. And... I think we would probably all hear that and instinctively agree with it and be like, yeah, well done, Jesus, you, you told him. Um, but actually, I think if we take a minute to drill down into our own lives and our own actions, I guess the question is, would they reflect what Jesus said, that our lives do not consist in an abundance of possessions? Or do our lives sometimes betray something else? You know, this story is interesting because this is basically about a man bringing a family dispute to Jesus Um, But Jesus doesn't really get into that at all. He basically says to him, I'm not going to tell you or your brother what to do with your money. But then he follows it with that warning where he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And the word uh, for greed that we find in the Bible here, it can be defined as an insatiable desire for more and more stuff. And to be clear, Jesus isn't saying that stuff isn't bad. He doesn't actually warn the man against money or stuff specifically, but he warns him against the constant desire for more. And it's almost like he's saying, beware of where those desires will take you. Beware of the kind of person they might make you become. And actually, Jesus, he talks about this a lot. Apparently, a quarter of all of his teachings were to do with money or possessions, Which is pretty crazy, isn't it? Can you imagine if one in every four Sundays we were talking about this? It'd be pretty brutal, wouldn't it? But what is interesting is in all of that, Jesus, he doesn't actually lay out any rules. He doesn't really tell you how many items of clothing is a healthy amount to have or when it's appropriate to spend your money and when it's not or how much time is a healthy amount of time to spend on social media or Netflix. He doesn't do that. He has far more things to say about our lives and what will ultimately satisfy us. And in this instance, he basically says, more stuff definitely won't. There was a businessman uh, in the early 1900s called John Rockefeller. I don't know if you've heard of him before. But he is considered to have been the wealthiest man to have lived in modern history. Um, So in relative terms, more wealthy than Bill Gates, Elon Musk, any of those guys. And at one point, a journalist asked him this. He said, how much money is enough? And he said this. He said, just a little bit more. And how true is that? Like, I know for me, 
Sometimes like the idea of feeling content with what I have right now feels like it's just around the corner, just a little bit more. And these companies and products that, that we buy from, they try and convince us that the place we're going to find our happiness is in them. And I'm sure we'll have seen loads of adverts over the years. This one um, from Coca-Cola seemed like a good example, where literally claiming to sell happiness. And, you know, that's just one of many. That's not unique in many ways. But I know for me, despite knowing that I love Jesus, and despite knowing that he can give me a life and a peace that I can't find anywhere else, it's still so easy to find myself spending too much time thinking about the next clothes that I want, or phone, or nicer house, or bigger TV, and thinking then I'll be content just a little bit more. And despite basically hearing Jesus say, Ollie, life does not consist in abundance, in an abundance of possessions, I really feel my life like tugged and pulled in the opposite direction, and I'm sure many of us feel like that. And so Jesus, he comes back to this issue again and again. And it's because our, our consumption is important because true life is not found in money and things, and I'm sure we all know that. But those things will actively compete with God for our love and for our affection. And just to say, I am definitely not saying today that after this morning, you need to go out, not buy anything again, run off to the Peak District, like lock yourself up in a log cabin, turn the Wi-Fi off and just... So some of you may want to do that, go for it. But there are lots of great things about the society that we live in. And so this is less about whether we should buy or not, and it's more about recognising that our hearts and our lives are shaped by the things that we fix our attention on. And so sometimes we, we need to have moments like this where we stop and we think about what that is. So some questions that might help us with this. Is my level of social media usage healthy? Do I need another pair of shoes? With my leftover money this month, is the best thing to spend it on myself or maybe on someone else? Is there anyone who has permission to speak into my life about what I buy and what I consume? What does my bank statement tell me about my priorities? And maybe the money or possessions or clothes have just a little bit of too much of a hold on me. And you know, it may well be that after asking some of those questions, the best thing to do is to still go out and buy that new pair of trainers or whatever. But what is important is that as followers of Jesus, that we're asking ourselves these questions and learning to just try and faithfully steward what we consume. We won't always get it right, but we've got to try and learn. So, firstly, our consumption is a discipleship issue. And then secondly, our consumption is a justice issue. And... Another key theme all throughout the Bible is that God's heart breaks for the poorest in society. Our God is a God who he long, longs for justice and compassion in the world that we live, for, the, for those who are on the margins. And it's our job as his people to try and live that out. And that's one of the things I love about this church. It's one of the reasons I came here in the first place is we really believe that. Many of you guys will serve in Trent Compassion or in the Soup Run, or you'll give generously to the church to enable us to make those things happen. And we do that primarily because we know those are things that it's not that we're passionate about them, it's that God is passionate about them. And so in, in Jeremiah chapter 22, uh, the, the author, he is celebrating one of the Jewish kings called Josiah. And he says this about him. He says, he defended the cause of the poor and the needy. And so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Or the book just before it in Isaiah, right at the beginning, 
um, when it's talking about what um, is required of God's people, what it looks like to know him. It just says this. Verse 17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. These are the kind of things all throughout the Bible that God asks of his people and of us as, as his stewards, essentially. And I'm sure all of us would agree that actually a key part of our following Jesus is, is how we love and serve the poor in our society. I doubt I'd need to persuade any of you that. But part of the challenge of this is actually we now live in an incredibly global society, which means that our lives actually have an impact far beyond the city that we live in or even the country that we live in. And I know for me, that impact can feel very far removed from like my day-to-day life. I read something recently that asked the question, how many countries do you think you interact with before midday? So for example, maybe I, I wake up and I put a t-shirt on and the t-shirt was made in Bangladesh. And then I put a jumper on and the jumper was from India. And then I go downstairs, I go to make myself some breakfast and I love porridge, porridge is great. And uh, chop up some banana, put some bananas in, the bananas came from Ecuador. And then I put some blueberries in and the blueberries came from Peru. And then I go to grab my phone to text someone. Actually, a good chunk of the bits from my phone came from Mongolia. And it's not even 9 a.m. I'm like barely awake and I've been around the world. And I don't know about you, when I read that, my mind was blown. Maybe I'm just really naive, but I had never thought about the impact of my life and how much my life actually interacted with parts of the world I would never physically go to. And that isn't bad, okay? That is the world that we live in. Products and food are shipped and flown all over the world. But I guess where that becomes challenging for us is at what expense? Because unfortunately, many of the companies that we do buy um, lots of our stuff from, they make huge amounts of money at the expense of their poorest workers. And whether it might be unsafe working conditions or sometimes modern slavery or ruining the water supply for local communities, or sometimes child labor, like countless other things. But the really tough truth is that a lot of the products that we buy and consume directly come from and impact these places. Which means the challenging thing for me and for you is that loving the poor, and and even now loving our neighbor, has global implications, doesn't it? And to be clear, I'm aware, this is really, this is heavy. Do you know what I mean? This is hard. And the last thing I want to do today is just make any of us feel bad. That doesn't achieve anything. So just take a breath. It's okay. We'll figure it out. But though it is hard, I do think that it's important that we just begin to ask some of these questions. It doesn't mean we need to have it figured out, but we do need to ask some of these questions. Because I guess for me, if I agree that my life should reflect a care and a compassion for the poor, then that has to impact some of these daily choices that I make. And like I said earlier, I, I found like, preparing for this talk really, really challenging. And I'm right at the beginning of this journey myself, so I'm still trying to ask these questions of like, well, where should I shop? And where maybe shouldn't I shop? And what should this look like? And it's not always a simple answer. And one of the things I found really challenging is like, where do I even get this information from? Like, what, what do I do? And there are some, some great resources out there, um, but one of the ones someone pointed me to um, was like an online magazine called Ethical Consumer. And a couple of weeks ago, I looked it up, I went online and I like stuck my email address in, and then next thing I know, I got like an email from them. And I, I looked at the email and it said something about chocolate. And so I thought, great, I love chocolate. Well, let's, let's, let's find out a bit more about that. 
And then I clicked on the link. And I'll be honest, guys, part of me wishes that I never clicked on that link. You know when you can't like unsee something and it's just like forever stuck in your brain? That is essentially what happened for me in that moment. Because all of a sudden, there was like this chocolate-themed league table where it showed which companies maybe were involved in the arms trade and which were linked at times with child labor and things like that and how all these companies stacked up against one another. And it was, it was hard to read and it's really stuck with me. And so unfortunately now, a few weeks later, getting my chocolate fix from the aisle in Tesco's is a little bit more complicated than it was a few weeks ago. But the reality is, as much as I, I want to unsee that, I know that I should care about this. And I know that the reality is that Jesus cares deeply for the people on the other side of the world who are making my chocolate bars. And so I need to try and learn to do the same. And now, I want to be really clear, I don't want to seem like I have any of this figured out. Um, I definitely don't. And I also don't mean to single out chocolate. I'm sorry if I've delivered some painful news to the chocolate lovers like myself in the room. We're in it together. Um, but my point is this affects loads of different stuff. This affects our clothes. This affects the food that we eat. It affects who we bank with, loads of different things like that. And so it is easy to feel overwhelmed with it. I feel overwhelmed even just talking to you guys about it. But someone who is really helpful on this is called Ruth Valerio. She works for Tear Fund. She's written many books on this topic, and she wrote this. She said, sometimes the sheer scale of the problems around us is overwhelming. When that is the case, we remember that we are not the savior of the world. That honor belongs to God alone. Our job is to be faithful and keep walking. And so with all of these things, I would say let's, let's take it one step at a time. I listened to a great talk a few weeks ago from a church in London called KXC, and the speaker, she was saying what she's done with this is she takes one thing a month. So once a month, she tries something new or she researches something that she regularly buys, and she doesn't try and do everything. And so just one month at a time, she slowly tries to engage with different areas of her life on this thing. And there also may be times where actually this, different decisions for this may be too expensive for some of us, and that is absolutely okay. But we can begin to ask ourselves these questions. Regardless of where we end up going with them, we can ask ourselves these questions. And like I say, some of you will be miles ahead of me with this, but I want to learn to begin to ask myself questions like some of these. Do I need to buy these clothes? Do I know much about the company that I'm buying from? Could I buy these things from elsewhere? Have I researched who I bank with? What small changes could I afford to make in my lifestyle? Or just in the short term, until I find out more information or anything like that, am I up for just trying to consume just a little bit less? Because if we do that, and if we know that actually our consumption is a discipleship issue and it's a justice issue, then even just consuming a little bit less, we're curbing our own appetites and we're loving the people on the other side of the supply chain. And like I say, I know this is challenging, but the great news for all of us this morning is that God meets us where we're at. And so figuring this out, it will look different for each of us. We'll probably have a lot, need to have a lot of grace for each other when we talk about it. But we also have to remember that the Father's like, default position towards us is one of love and grace and compassion. He is compassionate towards us as we figure this out. And so rather than seeing today as some kind of challenge to stop doing something, I'd love you to, to think about it more as an invitation to start. To start asking myself these kind of questions. To start trying to use my consumption 
positively and just to try and reflect Jesus in all those different areas of my life. And earlier on, we looked at Luke chapter 12. And just to finish, further down, um, Jesus, he says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And then skip down a little bit further, and in verse 31 he says this, But seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus, he, he, he urges, he's like, do not worry about those things. And he urges us not to give ourselves over just to the pursuit of good clothes or food or something like that, but to seek first our kingdom, to find our value and our identity first and foremost in him. And then to invest all the different time and resources and energy we have in God and what he wants to do in the world around us. And the reason that he urges us to do this is not only because he cares about who we are becoming, and not only does he deeply care about the poorest in our world, but he also knows that the key to me and you being truly content and to living lives of peace and goodness is to seek him and his kingdom first. That's how we get there. 